Good morning, friends, and welcome to the live stream service of Central Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. We are glad that you are with us this morning, and we pray that the grace and mercy and peace of the Lord God will be with you and your family. Yesterday, I officiated a funeral for Willie Sutton. Willie was treasurer at Midway Baptist Church when I served there before coming to Central. And then when he moved to Lexington and before he got sick, he sat right here in this sanctuary on the back pew worshiping with us. As a funeral during this strange time of physical distancing, there were only about 12 of us present for the service, his sons, their wives and children, <clears throat> and their significant others. And as we left the funeral home, making our way to Lexington Cemetery in our small procession, ex uh, escorted by the Fayette County Sheriff's Department, I noticed something different from the traffic coming our way that hasn't been a part of many processions of past funerals. For many in our town were pulling over to the side of the road like they do in small communities as a sign of respect and honor for those in our community that passed. Then later that afternoon, I took a walk through my neighborhood. I hadn't gone out walking in a while because it had been cold and I just hadn't been out. And, and noticed this time, again, <clears throat> at the park near my house, the folks that passed my way this time, instead of nodding their head, would wave or smile. Walking past lawns where folks were busy working in them, I noticed they would stop also to wave. And I'm certain these kind of notifications were not because of the popularity of the YouTube channel, but was really speaking to something more of our human need to connect. This God-given desire that we have been given to be in relationship. And so we are glad, even in this form, to be in relationship with you and to find the, the mystery of life the call of community, and to worship the God who brings us all together and binds us in one spirit. And so as we worship this God in spirit and truth, may we know we are connected to one another and we are connected with his holy promises. As we begin our service, we light this candle celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us and with us. And we're going to need another sword. Here we go. Here we go. again everyone our uh, song of gratitude our opening hymn today is guide me oh thou great jehovah very appropriate for the time uh, please feel free to bust out your hymnals and sing along with me as we sing
Our Old Testament scripture reading this morning is from Jeremiah 29, this wonderful, rich reading from Jeremiah. And it says, These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your own welfare. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you will call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. We're going to take a few moments um, to do my favorite thing that we do now in this time of physical distancing, uh, to share the passing of the peace with each other. So peace to you in the name of Christ this morning. Feel free to share your greetings uh, online with one another. Um, we notice that it is Justin Hart's birthday today. So happy birthday to Justin. It's so good to see the Gabbers, to see Bob Fair, the Campbells, to see Kim, Kincaid, and Rachel, and uh, Pete and Dawn, and uh, Kara and Gino, and Steve and Cheryl and Skye. Uh, and uh, it is so wonderful to see all of you there this morning. We were talking in Sunday school. Uh, actually, it's called Thursday school now. Um, when we were Skyping together uh, this, uh, this week, and uh, I said, you know what gets me through this time uh, many ways, especially as we try to do worship together, is really uh, the chat that we see with you all uh, on our YouTube channel. This is the time when we're reminded that this uh, thing we call worship really is a work of the people, that it really is about us gathering together and sharing, and that the presence of Christ truly is with us uh, and present with us, uh, no matter how far we may be distanced from one another, but when we gather in the name of Jesus, uh, we know that Christ is present with us this morning. So, blessings and peace to all of you uh, this morning. Um, and thank you also to, uh, to Anna for doing that wonderful call to worship uh, from her farm this week. Uh, it was beautiful to get to see the, the outside and the glory of, uh, of God's, uh, God's world this morning. This is uh, continuing on that theme that uh, this is your house, O oh God. 
This world is good, filled with light. This is your house, oh God. From the sun's golden locks to the moon's soft smile, this is your house, oh God. Oh, the shadows gather and the thunder shakes, this is your house, oh God. Oh, the lightning crackles and the rivers rage, this is your house, oh God. This world is good and primed for peace, this is your house, oh God. There's enough for you, there's enough for me. Our time. This is your house, oh God. Oh, the powers that be are selling lies. This is your house, oh God. For the sinners and the saints, for the rich and the poor, for the feet that are running from another's war, for the eyes that are Well, it looks like one of my fears has come true. I stand up to preach my first sermon here at Central, and only six people have showed up. Thank you. I'll pause for your virtual laughter and emojis. 
But it does feel like together we've been living one of our greatest fears over these past several weeks. A world in chaos, trying to wrap our heads around this global crisis, trying to find some semblance of normalcy, to adapt to recommendations and restrictions that are thrown our way, isolated from one another with more and more information being hurled at us daily. What is safe, what is not. In a flash, we were confined to our homes, cut off from family and friends. Hugs and handshakes were shunned. We rushed to grocery stores to stock up with a just-in-case. All of our conversations have moved to devices. We started working from homes, many of us learning video conferencing for the first time. Computer screens have become our new classrooms. Parents have become teachers. Dining room tables are now office spaces. We said goodbye to the days as they were, as life has turned upside down. And currently, our politicians are now bickering on when to open back up the economy. And we feel stuck in this limbo, waiting for the all clear so we can emerge to greet a new day together. But instead, we feel as if we are exiled in our own homes. And we wonder, why are we here? So we turn our eyes to the prophet Jeremiah, one who knows the feeling of exile all too well. And we search for his words of comfort and hope, but discover they aren't what we expect to hear. Instead, what we read this morning is a pragmatic prophet a young man standing in the hardship of Israel's reality and staring into the face of tomorrow's uncertainty. There is no word of consolation from Jeremiah, no timeline for return, at least not yet. Before a new day can come, there's exile. By the time we get to chapter 29 in the book of Jeremiah, the military siege on Jerusalem is in full swing. Deportations to Babylon are happening. Destruction and chaos are the new normal. And messages of false hope are coming left and right from the mouths of popular prophets. Don't worry, they say. This is just a hiccup in our plans. Live in tents. Nothing too permanent. You'll be home before you know it. But the word of God comes to Jeremiah. And he pins this letter to the exiled Israelites. It's going to be much longer than you can expect, he writes. So build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives, start families, celebrate weddings of your children. Live your life and don't look back at the remnant of days gone by. You are here for the long haul. So settle down, get comfortable. And likewise, we hear the echoes of the exiled ask, why are we here? This is the predicament we find ourselves in today. The novelty of social distancing is wearing off. We are ready to go back. We are tired of sitting around. Kids are driving us crazy. Zoom fatigue is setting in. 
bored out of our minds, scraping together any project we can find around the house. We are impatient. And like all those sitting in exile 2,600 years ago, we lament life as we knew it, instead of learning life as it will be. During the first week of social distancing, I was busy with the staff sitting in our conference room, making plans, coming up with ideas of way we could stay connected, learn together, pray together, worship together. And when I got home, Michelle and I were scrambling to sort out work arrangements, grocery lists, and adapting our schedules and developing new routines. I needed a break one afternoon, so I called a good friend. And I made a comment that whenever I emerged from my office or house, whenever I looked out that window from writing endless emails, what I expected to see was a world literally on fire. At least that's what the movies had taught me, that the sky would be red with flaming hell storming down. But it wasn't. What I witnessed were birds chirping, squirrels playing, people moving around the city in the same hurry as usual. The grass was green from all the winter rain. I saw the beautiful transition from winter to spring as trees held the budding leaves and flowers beginning to pop out of ground. Spring was coming and the sun highlighted the fact that creation keeps moving forward. God's creation around us as well as God's creation within us. This is the message of Jeremiah. God's creation in the world and God's work within us doesn't stop moving forward. Our heads may be turned back to Jerusalem, but our lives are stuck here in Babylon. We want to hit the pause button so we can regroup, but we can't. And Jeremiah reminds us what happens in the midst of exile, that life goes on. The sun still comes out, the rain still falls, the flowers bloom and the grass needs to be mowed. Garbage is collected once a week, groceries are bought because you can't forget to feed your kids, apparently nonstop. The living room needs vacuuming, phone calls to be made, work completed, at the very least work started. Birthdays are celebrated, weddings planned, anniversaries remembered, milestones reached, Babies are born. Grief, anxiety, fear, joy, delight, celebration, love. They are with us each day. Jeremiah's letter reveals to us that exile is not the end of life as we know it. It's just where we are now. It is our present reality and where we will be for a while. So plant and build and grow. We don't know when our first Sunday together will be. We don't know when we'll be able to peruse the aisles at Target again, or when we will sit shoulder to shoulder at basketball games, or climb on playgrounds, or get to hug our children, our grandchildren, parents and friends. But we do know that when social distancing, isolation, quarantine is lifted, it doesn't mean life will return to normal. We are in this for the long haul. And like every generational crisis before, we will get through this. So why are we here? 
for the Israelites in exile has an exact purpose. It is not a punishment towards extinction. It is a time for communal remembrance and spiritual reflection. It gave the Israelites time and space to remember the work of God that has happened and is happening in the world around them. It gives them the opportunity to look deeply within themselves and discover more their true selves and to renew their calling to be the people of God. Exile allows God to mend the pieces of their fractured existence. It is a time for learning and relearning the truth that God has always been and will always be with them. So they look back into the deep memory of their heritage and they find that it was God who created them. God who gave them the promise of a rainbow and a covenant with Abraham. It was God who sat with them in the slavery of of Egypt and ushered the way to the promised land. God was the one who guided them through difficult times, who makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them to still waters. And God is present in exile as they relearn all the goodness before them. And God sits with us too. As we plant and grow, build and inhabit, as we live our lives apart from each other, we have this opportunity, like the Israelites, to learn and relearn what it means to be followers of a living God. So what are we learning during this time? Well, I've learned that my grocery bills have tripled. I learned not to stress over the toys that are littering the living room because tomorrow they'll be right back on that floor. I've learned that the month of March is really boring when basketball isn't on TV. And that the way my second grader is learning math is weird. And soon I'll learn how long I can go without a haircut. Maybe I can fill in some spots. But more meaningfully, I love that I love, I've learned that I love watching my children play and learn and grow. I've learned that it hurts when I can't be near family members to share in their burdens. I've learned that it's hard to minister when we can't sit with one another. And it's hard to stand up here to preach when you aren't in the sanctuary with me. And there are also truths that together we are learning as a community. Ideals that reinforce our understanding of God and our work in the world. We learned that our school teachers work really hard. And if parents didn't appreciate you earlier, they do now. We learned that our medical community has a noble calling to walk into danger for our health. And that healthcare is vital for survival of all humanity. We learned that the vulnerable, vulnerable people in our city before this crisis are even more so now. That when political forces compete for power and attention, it is the poor who are forgotten again. We learn that when we are told to safely stay in our homes, it isn't always a safe place for children and spouses of abusive relationships. And the option of a home isn't possible for our homeless community. 
we learn that injustice is still present. Racism, violence, hatred don't take time off for a pandemic. There's still a humanity crisis on our border. It just isn't front page news. We learn that caring for the environment and our support for sustainable life is necessary for nurturing the future generations. We, are learn, we learn we are all affected by this global crisis. It is a shared experience. And we are connected to the hurt and pain of people close to us and around the world. We learn that preparation is essential for dealing with any crisis, not just stockpiling equipment and supplies, but preparing our society and our systems so the next crisis doesn't shatter the way we live. We learn that healthcare for all, paid sick leave, affordable housing, and a living wage are essential in that preparation. And we learn again and again that God sits with us in our impatience and teaches us again and again that we are loved and to love in return. These aren't new ideals. We've known them for months but we get to relearn them again in our present circumstances. When we understand these truths about God and ourselves, we begin to see hope. Jeremiah in the following chapters will expand on his message of hope, but we get just a taste at the end of his letter here. He writes on behalf of God, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and not harm, plans to give you a future with hope. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Jeremiah doesn't undo any of the hardships the Israelites are facing. Rather, he focuses on the well-being of their future. Their present may be in exile, but they have a future again in Jerusalem. This year, the youth group studied another biblical story of exile. As we read through the book of Revelation, John writes a very deep, dark, and depressing letter to Christians who are persecuted by the Roman Empire. It is filled with images of death and war and disease. For those experiencing the upheaval of that time, it seems like no hope is to be found until we reach the last chapters where the spiritual imagination is set free and all are gazing at the glory of a new Jerusalem. I ask the youth to imagine this world. What does it look like? How does it operate? Who is included? The same question I pose to you today. When exile ends, what does a new Jerusalem look like? How does it operate? Who does it include? What does a world on the other side of a pandemic look like? Who will we fight for and what injustices will we confront? Where are the places we should shine the light of God? So why are we here? To support each other? to pray for the welfare of the city, to remember the God in our midst, 
and to imagine a world on the other side. Our story and the story of our biblical heritage are closely linked. Their circumstances may be different, but the message is the same. You must remain on the ark while floods rage until a rainbow appears. You must travel through the wilderness before you reach the promised land. You must sit on your ash heap before God responds to your petitions. You must go to Babylon before you re-inhabit Jerusalem. And you must wait three days before resurrection. Exile is not the end. It's just the reality that we sit with. And during this time, let us remember the God of new life. Let us look back in our collective story and renew our calling to be followers of a risen Christ. And let us dream, not of a world that was or is, but a world as God wants it to be. Easter is here. Imagine what the new life looks like. So when we emerge from this exile, we can continue God's work of redemption in the world. Thank you, Charles, for your thoughtful, meaningful, and wonderful sermon. It is our hope that the words from the prophet Jeremiah spoken so long ago may give us direction and wisdom for the living of these days. Now a reading from Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for those who truly are the holy ones in the land, they are my delight. But those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. I will not take their name upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me I keep the Lord always before me because the Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you did not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Holy word and holy wisdom. Join me as we pray together. O oh God, in whom we live and move and have our being, 
Reveal to us how you also are the God in whom we shelter and wait and have our hope. For our lives have taken this burdensome turn to isolation and physical distancing. We are restricted to our homes, removed from many of our loved ones, and restrained from many of the things we wish to do. Even so, we acknowledge how we are the fortunate ones with homes to receive us, food to replenish us, and meaningful tasks to renew us. And yet we must admit how this challenge wears us down and stresses us out. In our desperation, we call out to you. We call out to your love that binds us together. We call out to your wisdom that uncovers new understandings. We call out to your compassion that knows our truest needs and our deepest pains. We call out to your power that heals our wounds and promises us there is no mountain too high, no valley too low, and no cave too dark that is abandoned from your abiding presence. We rest in this assurance how our prayers reach your ears before we can even search our hearts and formulate the right words to describe our condition. For you know us, O oh God. You have created us and love us. And in the cruciform image of our Lord Christ, you are reforming us in the mystery of our dying and rising with him into the new creation. So hear our prayers. May the powers that be be the powers that bring healing, hope, and courage. May the powers that divide, sowing their confusion and fear, be exposed for the cowards and charlatans they are. May those who lift up be lifted up, those who serve be served, and those who forgive be forgiven. And may those who oppress the broken, who exploit the vulnerable, and care nothing for the poor, discover how they are the ones most to be pitied. For the selfless, discover their truer selves, and the selfish evaporate into the nothingness of their own impoverished souls. We pray for those grieving loss. We pray for those battling sickness. We pray for those losing hope. We 
We pray for those crying out in hunger. We pray for those who are lost. We pray for those who feel they have been forgotten. And we pray for all those who are worried and working for their relief. We pray for our church. And all churches to be beacons of light and joyful communities of compassion. So that now during this, our time of testing, you might renew your word in us as we watch, as we wait, as we pray, and as we make ready for whatever we still might do. For in all of our sufferings and long silences, this shadow will one day pass over us and the stone will be rolled away and we will rise up again as the body of Christ, following the incarnate one born in Bethlehem, pure love, light of lights, truest of all truths, who was a refugee in Egypt, who knew the seclusion and isolation of the wilderness, who taught and healed in Galilee, and who confronted and challenged the elites in Jerusalem. He was crucified upon the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and now intercedes on our behalf and our world's behalf in the Holy Spirit, who was and is and evermore shall be. This the man Jesus, our Savior and living Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We are so grateful that you have joined us for worship this morning, um, that uh, we have been able to be together again um, with the presence of God to unite us. Uh, we're going to sing one last song together. We invite you to sing with us. You'll see the words on the screen. Lord, when I came into this life. Bye.
glad that you have joined us this morning. Peace and blessings to you all. And now, please receive these words of benediction. Wherever you find yourself this week, be it at home, at work, or on the road before you, may you know the love of God surrounds you, that Christ is in you and around you and beyond you, inviting you to walk in peace. Now, go in peace.